Welcome to Worship from Schweitzer. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We hope this experience opens up to you some new realities about who God is and what God wants to do in your life. Today as we worship, we invite you to chat or to enter the prayer room where somebody will be happy to engage with you. Around Schweitzer, we've got some really exciting things happening. Vacation Bible School is happening through block parties. If you'd like to host a block party or if you'd like to sign your kids up to be a part, you can do that by going to sumc.co slash vbs. Today in worship, we're going to experience communion. So if you'd like to pause the video or send somebody out to, to get the required elements, um, we're going to have communion at the end of this video. We invite you to stick around and to participate in God's gift of grace to us in this way. Also today, through worship, we're going to be looking at John chapter 4, where we take a deep look at who Jesus is. So let's enter into worship with joy, thanksgiving, and anticipation. Let's start our prayer time together today by giving thanks. God has been good and gracious to us in so many ways. So let's take some time where you're at to just name some things about God's goodness, God's greatness, and how God has, has really shown up in your life. Let's pray together. As we continue in prayer, we've been talking about the church and how the church is a fellowship. 
So all of us have had moments where the church has really poured into our lives. So if you could, I would love for you to just think about a couple people, a couple different places where, where you just want to give God thanks for how the church has blessed you. Having done that, giving God thanks for, for the fellowship and the koinonia of the church, let's pray for the church because the church right now is a place where people need to find the grace, the goodness, the truth, the mercy, and the justice of God. Let's pray that the church would carry out its mission that God has for it. This weekend, we're celebrating uh, the birth of the country that we call home, the United States of America. There's a lot to celebrate. At the same time, there's a lot of places where we are an imperfect nation and we need God's direction, we need God's leadership, we need God's grace and justice. So let's pray both with a thankful heart and a heart that longs for God's goodness to lead us. Let's pray for our country. In the world today, we know about COVID. Let's pray for those who are working on solutions to COVID. Let's pray for the scientists. Let's pray for those who are leading and they're charged to lead in healthcare systems and in community health systems. Let's pray for those who are bearing this burden day in and day out. And let's ask the Lord for a miracle, a way through. So Lord, you hear these prayers and you hear all the prayers. You hear the prayers that we've said. You hear the prayers that we, we haven't said when we turn to you. Speak, Lord, to us. Speak deeply into our hearts. Let us trust you, have faith in you, and walk faithfully with you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray to the Father with the Spirit. Amen and amen. Starting Sunday night, July 5th, the youth ministry at Schweitzer is hosting a missions trip. Normally they go somewhere else in the country, but this year, because of COVID, they're staying here in the city of Springfield, and they're gonna be connecting with widows in our community, widows from our church, and they're gonna be coming around them, sharing the love of Christ in real and tangible ways, and listening for what God wants to say through that experience to them, to shape them into the people God is calling them to be. That all takes place, and that's able to take place because of your generosity and your giving. So thanks so much for hearing what God is saying to you and for being generous with the resources that God has given to you. May you be blessed as you give to the Lord.
the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty Roman sea, higher than the mountains, where you might a thousand, all sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. has been the year of 52 stories. This week we get to hear the story of Doug McNeil. Let's take a listen. I have been a member of Schweitzer Methodist Church for about 38 years. I am a semi-retired pediatrician and a strong advocate for children and with disabilities and their families. My story is going to be one of an overachiever. And I'm gonna start with the fact that when I was a young child entering school, I was the youngest, I was the smallest, I was the most immature of any of my classmates. I tried to compensate by becoming an overachiever. And that even, I was desperate enough for acceptance, that I actually took up distance running for track and for cross country. And I don't know what Spencer might tell you, but I'm here to tell you, the reward, the motivation for distance races is to finish so you can stop running. So running as itself was not my passion, but I think you get the idea. I wanted to succeed at something. But I came to the realization, it wasn't that God was rejecting me. I was rejecting God. Because remember, I wanted to be in control. It was that realization that God's love was so strong for me that he was willing to sacrifice his only son for my benefit so I would accept him. Now, I don't want to deceive you because I don't want to leave you with the impression I was always right, I was always compassionate, I was always loving. But I do want to acknowledge to you that those times that I was successful or correct or compassionate or loving that was God's presence. And if I may, I'd like to read one of my favorite passages to you. It's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to leave you with two basic lessons that I have learned over my 72 years. One, 
that there is something greater than myself. Two, there is something that's more important than myself. I'm Doug McNeil, and this is just the beginning of my story. Hi friends, this is Jim, and it's really good to be with you this morning. Thanks for being here. This morning we're continuing our series that we're calling Together. This is our fifth week, and what we're doing is we're really exploring what a Jesus-centered church is. A, a church that Jesus is uh, fully leading and guiding us, and, and uh, really importantly, what is our role in building a church that Jesus desires for us? And so we'll take a deep dive into the scripture, and that scripture will be 1 John, the book of 1 John in the Bible. And this is going to be our anchor, or our source. And this is written by the Apostle John, who is very close to Jesus. And he is a, is a pastor and knows these people that he's writing to. This is a church, and he loves these people. And yet he is uh, really direct and uh, uh, plain speaking, if you will, with them, and uh, wants the best for them. But they are struggling in some ways. They're, they're having some challenges. And so John speaks this truth with grace, again, to people he really loves. And we're hoping that in this series that we gain some really practical tools to live the life that Jesus desires for us and to become the church that Jesus is centered in and leading. Again, really important to know that John was at Jesus' side for three years, three years in ministry. As he learned from Jesus, Jesus poured into him uh, to the core. And so John in this letter, again, is uh, speaking truth with grace. And so let's hear these words to the people that he really loves and that he wants uh, the best for. Hear these words from Scripture. 1 John verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges, in other words, agrees, or confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which we have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, you are from God and have overcome them. And that's the false prophets and more. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows, God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Well, wow, it's like John is saying uh, through this scripture immediately that I care deeply for you, but I need you to know, do not believe everything you hear that we're to test and examine and sift and weigh uh, what we hear, what we read, and this is inside and outside the church. And we've, we live in an amazing time. It's uh, in many ways awesome in the information age. And we have uh, so much that we can know and it can be really helpful, but also we know that it can be overwhelming and we can become inundated and confused. But God gives us tools to be able to know truth. God gives us reason and intellect and the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom as we uh, seek uh, guidance and understanding. But especially in this scripture, John is telling us, and he's saying to us spiritually, again, do not believe everything you hear. And he says there are many, and he means many, false prophets out there. And I love what Eugene Peterson says in the, uh, the message, which is a, a Bible, and it's a paraphrasing in contemporary language, uh, in the message. And he says, instead of many false prophets, he says, there are a lot of lying preachers loose out there in the world. And I'm saying that comes pretty close to home. That sounds a little harsh, so we're going to keep moving. But the reality is there's a lot out there that uh, is false and misleading and confusing. It reminds me of a story of a time when I was uh, with a mentor whose name was Bob. And it was early in my uh, seeking. I was really seeking God and trying to understand this thing that we call faith and this journey with God. And I was reading a lot, hearing a, God, hearing a lot, uh, 
a lot of sermons from a lot of different sources and a lot of people that just seem to know so much. And, uh, and for me, uh, I was trying to sort all this out. And, and this mentor says to me, just remember that everybody that talks about God doesn't really come from God. They may not know about God. And I was like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. So tell me more about that. And he said, be especially wary of people that use excessive God talk excessive God talk. Because he, said, he said, because very few people have a direct line from God where God is telling them moment by moment, by moment or day by day what God is wanting to do, what God is doing, what God is saying. And more than that, he said, remember that God, God is mystery and faith is mystery. And I was like, thank you. Thank you so much for that, uh, that counsel and that wisdom because it can be really hard to try to know everything and to feel that uh, you know enough uh, to know God. And it was just a burden that is lifted, uh, at least from me, and knowing that I didn't have to know everything and that I could let uh, God be God and begin to embrace the mystery that God is. And so again, I was really thankful. And so I was, it was at a time where I was willing and wanting to believe, but what does it, what does it really mean to be from God? Well, it's important, again, to have people around us that, that are wise and, and simply that they come from God, they know God. And John is telling us these are people, these are people that confess or agree that Jesus Christ came in the flesh because this is the Spirit of God. And so why then, why then is this so crucial? I mean, John says this is crucial. Why is it so crucial and really non-negotiable? For John, well, let's, let's begin with a scripture that many of us know. It's a really famous scripture. It's beautiful. And here it is from, from John also. It is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his one and only Son. The Son came and God gave him that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God comes to us. God is very personal. And God is very uh, personal and sacrificial love. So God comes to us in Jesus. And Jesus is the, the incarnation. In other words, God in a person. And Jesus comes to us as a baby, as vulnerable love, and then moves into the neighborhood and, and lives this life that we know too, where he walks and talks and knows the really good parts of life and knows the really horrible parts of life as well. And he knows what it's like to live and to die. Jesus knows this human life that we live. And so for me, uh, I confess, and, and maybe for you, and I know for many others, the literature says that there's many of us who want to dismiss uh, Jesus' Jesus's humanity, the human aspect of Jesus. It's, it's for me, it's, it's as if how could God be that humble and that earthly, if you will, that earthly, and God, how could you be humiliated like you were in going to the cross? Well, for me, I, I, I look back and I'm careful in remembering the words of Eugene Peterson as well in the commentary in the message. And I want to read these to you because I think that they're really impactful and they have a lot of meaning. So hear these, uh, hear these words. There are always people around who don't want to be pinned down to the God Jesus reveals, to the love that Jesus reveals. They want to make up their own idea of God, make up their own style of love. Jesus provides the full and true understanding of God. Jesus shows us the mature, the mature working out of love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for being who you are. And, and forgive us when we project our ideas of who God is to be, for us, and also that we try to make you, we confess that we try to make you in our image. And what an amazing thing it is, this confessing Jesus is, has come in the flesh, that John is telling us how very valued we are as human beings in the created order. Yes, we're, we're sinners. Yes, we are. We're sinners, but we're, we're also created with such creative capacity to do good in our life with God. In Genesis, God gives us stewardship over creation. 
and in Jesus and in our walking with him and learning from him and his teaching and his preaching and his loving and his saving and his dying and being resurrected, we, uh, we become co-ministers with him in, in uh, sharing the good news. And for me, it's how could we really know God without Jesus? So yes, what an awesome responsibility and mystery that God is. Now I want to pause for a second and say a word to the uh, skeptic. And also, we can't forget that in the scripture, John speaks uh, to the Antichrist. But to the skeptic, I would say to you that uh, if you ask a question, if you're questioning that Jesus could come in the flesh, questions are good. Uh, for one that has come from uh, your, uh, your understanding, not being raised in the church or with an active faith, this can be a really challenging question. And for me, I had a hard time uh, believing in the divinity of Christ, the human side. I could see that Jesus was a, was a, good, a good person. But for me, it was really hard and challenging to believe that God is both fully human and fully God. It's, it's how can that be? And I would say to the skeptic, to hang in there and to continue to journey with God and other trusted people, that God will meet you. Your journey will maybe be unlikely uh, at, at times, but God is faithful, God is good. And uh, for me and, and maybe for you as a skeptic, you may wrestle with God for years about this mystery of faith, but I, I encourage you to hang in there. Again, God is faithful. And then John tells us about the Antichrist that one of the reasons that it is hard to believe, that we're challenged to believe, and then sustain faith, is that the Antichrist, that is one that opposes God or is against God, uh, seeks to sow or, uh, if you will, um, seeks to, uh, to create. Uh, the, anti the Antichrist creates uh, confusion and deceit and lies and disunity and also then uh, seeks to destroy, that the Antichrist is a destroyer. Pastor Spencer a couple weeks ago so, tell, so told us and remind us that the Antichrist is a destroyer and that we as followers of Jesus, we're builders, that we build lives, we, we build healthy churches, we, uh, we seek to build in our community, uh, healthy communities that we're for our communities and that we're given mission, again, for the transformation of the world and so that we are builders with Jesus Christ. So again, the Antichrist, the reality of that is spiritual warfare. Know that is real. Not to be afraid, but to know that that's a reality. And, and I'll speak more to that. And so now let's, uh, let's continue to really dive into the scripture. And in verse 4, verse 4, uh, in reading that, we don't want to miss all that God has for us here. So hear these words again. You, you dear children, are from God and have overcome. So we hear that we, we are people that overcome. And them, them is uh, false prophets, false spirits, and more. Because the one who is in you, the one who is in you, and so there John is speaking to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is greater, so we have power, is greater than the one who is in the world. So we have this, this spirit of power. But what, what is this spirit really and, and what are we to do with it? And so I wanna back up a little more as we move forward as well. As I back up to verse two in another translation, hear these words, hear these words. This is how we know God's spirit. Every spirit that agrees Jesus the Messiah has come in the flesh Every spirit that agrees that Jesus the Messiah has come in the flesh is from God. So here we know, in addition to the Christ as part of Jesus' identity, Jesus is the Messiah. And the Messiah is one who comes, one who comes to save, to save from sin and deliver uh, into life, into real life, into life that uh, restores and is good. And the, the Jewish people, the, he, the Hebrew people of Jesus' time, they were expecting and desiring and really wanting a political Messiah. That is one who would come and uh, uh, destroy their enemies, would destroy their oppressors, who were the Romans at the time. And so we know that uh, Jesus, 
uh, really disappointed uh, the people around him, so many people, and really did not live up to expectations because Jesus is the Messiah. In addition to uh, uh, healing and restoring uh, people, he performed signs and miracles and wonders for the purpose of, of giving the people a sense of urgency as to what is occurring and that he, as the Messiah, is calling them back from sin, repentance. He's calling them into repentance, which is back to God, uh, turning back to God and away from sin. And that in his, uh, in his uh, performing these miracles and signs and wonders, that they would join him. He invites them to participate in ushering a new, in a new kingdom and a new way of life. And so Jesus, this is what he's doing as he, uh, as he is in the midst of his ministry with the, with the people in his time. And so Jesus, the Messiah, has this power, this power that he gives us also. And so he chooses, rather than to destroy his enemies and people who do not understand him, he chooses his power in ways like this, ways to overcome sin and to offer forgiveness. He offers transformational listening and compassion. He, he overcomes legalism, where on the Sabbath that he heals and offers mercy when there were rules that that couldn't happen. So he overcomes legalism, rules that keep us from uh, healing and keeping God from doing God's good work uh, at a time when people really need it. He uh, chooses his power to, uh, power to overcome nature. For example, when with a few fish and, and loaves, he, he, uh, he feeds 5,000 people or more so there's more than enough in Jesus's kingdom. He uses his power to, uh, to overcome unclean spirits. In other words, spirits that oppose God or against God. And it reminds me of a time that was uh, really uh, powerful in, in, in my life and ministry. And yet at the time, it just seemed kind of supernaturally natural. I was going to the hospital on a hospital visit to visit um, uh, a saint, uh, a really, uh, an older woman, seasoned woman, who really uh, knew God and had journeyed with God. And her daughter met me as I came to the hospital room up in the ICU area, and she said, uh, I don't know what to do. My mom is really distressed. She seems to have, to have lost her faith. She doesn't think that she is forgiven, that she's a child of God, and, and uh, is really, uh, again, in distress and not experiencing peace. And, and she said, what do we do? And, and thankfully, I, I didn't think too much about it. I, I simply said to her, well, I think we should ask for the Holy Spirit's help and that we should uh, pray and that we'll, we'll pray with your mom. And uh, we'll, as, as it says in James, uh, the elders will, will lay hands uh, and we'll pray. And so we went into the hospital room uh, with her and uh, asked her permission uh, to pray uh, with her. And we did it uh, gently and uh, quietly, but audibly. I mean, she could uh, definitely hear us and was, was with us. And, uh, and asking her permission and held her hand, her daughter held a hand, a hand on her, her shoulder. And we simply prayed that, that she would know that she's a, a child of God and that uh, she is forgiven and God loves her deeply, uh, more than we can imagine. And that we prayed uh, against any spirits that would oppose uh, Christ giving uh, her joy or uh, peace. And so again, we prayed uh, for a while. And in this time, her disposition and countenance changed. And uh, it, was, it was really uh, simply amazing. And uh, for me, we, we simply did, although with the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we did as God would have us do. This is how God lives and works in the, the ministry we have. And her, you know, her daughter is, is uh, elated and you know, says that uh, this is a miracle. And uh, for me, again, um, if it is, you know, thanks be to God and, and uh, glory be to God, all, all glory to God. But for me, it was, it was acting in faith and expressing what God desires to us ex express in God's power through the Holy Spirit as, as uh, as we are empowered uh, 
over uh, unclean spirits. And then Jesus chose to use his power, to use his power uh, to raise uh, people from the dead. For example, with Lazarus, people he loved, uh, Mary and Martha, very uh, close friends. And he was deeply moved and, and said that he wept that in uh, being so uh, really uh, driven with compassion, raised Lazarus from the dead and really a foreshadowing of, of Jesus as being resurrected. But Jesus, his power, his compassion uh, changes the world and it is, it overcomes. And Jesus, this is how Jesus uses his power, overcoming power as the Messiah. And still though, people did not, uh, people did not understand who he was and many did not believe. And so Jesus stayed true to his mission and calling to who he is as, as uh, Jesus the Christ. Um, he, he then, uh, again, people not understanding his relationship to God, he then offered himself up for us as vulnerable love. He opened himself to the cross and gave himself for us and for the sins of the world. He, he lived in the flesh. He, he lived, he died, he's resurrected. And uh, with eternal glory, uh, we're invited into that same mystery as uh, with God, both now and eternally. And Jesus then, as he's, as he's going to the Father in John, uh, the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, he says these words, which are really daunting, I think, in some ways, but, but so, uh, so we need to believe these because Christ said them, and uh, this is who we are as, as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, hear these words. I tell you, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So Jesus says we will work in the power of the Holy Spirit and we will overcome. And this ministry will be good and joyful. But also as a suffering servant, Jesus tells us that we will, we will enter into his ministry of self-denial and, and suffering. And this can be for the world, as we read in the scripture, this can be not the news, the good news that people want to hear who, who don't believe and understand Jesus. They will listen to the people who tell them what they want to hear. But Jesus is our Lord. Um, we have to live out our worldview. Worldviews matter. We need to understand them so that we can engage others. We don't judge those. But we need to live out our worldview, which is Jesus Christ, the Lord, has come in the flesh uh, for the transformation of the world. And we are part of that ministry. Crucial that we live this out. So as followers of Jesus, we are builders. We are people who who create and build lives and build healthy churches and we're for each other and we commit to each other. Uh, we give to each other, we care for each other with Jesus in our center. These are the churches that Jesus wants to build. And like Schweitzer, I've seen this many times over the years and, and today I see us as a church that comes together in unity. And I saw a great example of this uh, this week. On Monday night, we received a card at our house and uh, it was to Roxanne, and we thought maybe it was an anniversary card because we just celebrated our 40th anniversary. Thanks be to God. Thank you, God. And uh, when we opened the card, uh, it was for Roxanne. It simply says uh, hope on the front, and it's beautifully uh, done, if you will, created. And this is a personal card, personally created by our snail mail ministry, these people who, who love people and care for people. And on the inside, it says, Dear Roxanne, this is a note in a, in a care package from your church family. We are so sorry about your good friend, Nancy. The process of losing a friend hurts deeply and our prayers are with you. May God ease the heartache and sweeten the memories and his love, your Schweitzer brothers and sisters. And then this scripture specifically is here. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that's from the 34th Psalm. And so this is the, this is the ministry of a Christ-centered church. This is what we do for each other. And our friend Nancy, uh, we are sorry uh, that she passed away 
uh, last Saturday night. And it is a great loss, and yet she lives eternally with God. And her life and her death, she opened her, her story to us as, as, uh, as she went through the, the journey of cancer. But she lived in resurrection power in life and in death. And in her, her legacy, and again, I've seen this here at Schweitzer, in her legacy generosity, her and Mike, her husband, and the girls in their church have created two new houses at Eden Village, which is a, a village created uh, for our homeless, to serve homeless. And also, they're creating a community center. And this is what churches do, that Jesus creates in the center here at Schweitzer, there at the River Bluff Church. Thanks be to God. Jesus is most important. Jesus is the center. And now with Jesus at our center, Jesus at the center of our lives and of this church, you and I were invited to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We're invited to begin with confessing. And Pastor Jason is going to uh, lead us as we, uh, as we worship together. And then I will join in as well. Uh, let's worship. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, you remained steadfast. Your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity made covenant to be our sovereign God and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time have come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin, sin and death, and made with us a covenant, a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power, the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread and broke it and gave thanks to God, gave thanks to God and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. And then he took the cup. He took the cup and gave thanks to God and said to all his people, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, remember me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts, in Christ Jesus, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit, your Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And now with the confidence, the confidence of the children of God, let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thanks for joining us today. It's been a great morning. We really appreciate you being here. Our youth are on ministry this week in the community to do some really good work in our community with God. We thank, we thank God for Tim and his ministry and all the youth here. So keep them in your prayers this week. Pray blessings over them and that uh, their lives will be transformed in our community. And if this uh, message today has blessed you, share it with others, share it with your friends. You can share it on Facebook and, and other social media. Uh, so do that. Uh, God loves you. Uh, so do we. Have a great, great week.